Aloha. My name is Mr. Han. I have but one question for you. Can you attend my class? It is for your own good, and if you can't make it, I can make you. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the hijinks. I've got a trig midterm tomorrow, and I'm being chased by Guido, the killer pimp. The opportunities. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. And the wisdom. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Um, Sean, why are we sitting in a high school classroom? Did we drink too much wild turkey last night? I don't know, Spearsy, but something looks a little too familiar here. Hey there, Spearsy. I'm Molly Sherman. Are you new here? Did she just say... Oh man, Molly Sherman. Buckle your seatbelt, Theodore Logan. I think we're reliving a day at my old school. Camp Hill High in Pennsylvania. Oh man, why couldn't we have landed at Countryside High School? At least I had a mustache at my school. Screw your mustache. I blame this all on you. Last night's research session about high school in the 80s went way too late. The last thing I remember, you and I are in Speedos, we're drinking Bartles and James in your hot tub, and I'm falling asleep. You know, it must have been some sort of hot tub time machine. Ow! Seriously? That stupid movie? Don't make me hit you again. I'd probably get detention. Please take your seats. Wait, Mark Harmon taught English at your high school? No, no. No, no, no. I'm not going to sit here and have Mr. Shoop tear away my precious memories. The guy has funky nipples. I'm out of here, Spearsy. Sit down, Francis. Wait, did he call you Francis? Um, it's my middle name? Uh-huh. Okay, it's my real name, Francis Xavier Daly. Are you happy? Hey, Francis. You gonna do the thriller dance for us again today? No. Wait a minute. You said it was Rob Raines who did that weird thriller dance. So I embellished a little, okay? What's important is that Molly Sherman still loves me. Love you? I already told you if you ask me out one more time, I'll dump another slush puppy down your pants. Oh, God. This is great. Who else from your past can we meet today? Hi, Francis. Holy hell, who's this? Oh, we haven't met yet. My name is Nathan. Nathan Diffenbaugh. <laughs> drink, drink, drink. Blue eyes are not bright. As stars when they're shining on me. I'm, uh... At a loss for words. Find a happy place. Find a happy place. Please, please tell me now. 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 Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with Tampa Bay.com. And today, my friends, a very special podcast we endeavor to enrich a classroom of high school students in Maryland about the 80s, thus ensuring nothing but complete success in their future. Face it, those kids' test scores aren't going to save you because they're losers just like you. With me as always, he's the Mr. Vargas to my Mr. Han, Times Pop Music Critic Sean Daly. I love this show, baby. I love this show. And I gotta ask... That skit we did, where did that come from? Did you have like some bad uh, little smokies before bed a last night? little vindaloo, night? chicken vindaloo, went wrong. Uh, I gotta say, all of a sudden I come into work and this fully formed, crazy time travel skit is on my desk. And you're like, read it. It's genius. <laughs> I don't think I said that. 
Anyway, I love this uh, show today. It's a special show. We're clearing out. We're clearing out for the kids of Sykesville, Maryland, um, for this uh, to answer their questions about our magical decade. There'll be no seggies today. Right. No seggies. But the whole thing is kind of like a PPTMN. Right. We're giving our energy to the kids. Yeah. They are our future. Ah, I was wondering which one of us would say it. First. Yeah. You so, crazy son So, So we got an email from uh, yes. Wade Kemper. Sure. He, and uh, Sean's going to read it, and that will explain the entire premise of this week's show. Okay, here we go. Um, hey, Sean and Steve. I'm a high school teacher here in Sykesville, Maryland at South Carroll High School, and I just started teaching a pop culture course. That's really a cool course to have for high school. I know. I didn't have anything I like that. Geometry. Algebra. Civics. God, civics. civics. Did you take did Latin in your, in your school? No, they didn't offer it. Weird. Um, Sykesville, Maryland is in Carroll County, delightful Carroll County, historic isn't Beautiful Main Street in every, Sykesville. Isn't everything up there historic? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and I dated a girl from Sykesville. Oh, tell me like about it. Like one date. Really? No, I wound up running out of her house at the end. Why? I, it was like a horror movie. It's like something screamed. Like, ah! <laughs> I just kept running. Okay. Um, the class is officially titled Pop Culture and Composition. The purpose of the class is to reflect on how collective American sensibilities <laughs> have evolved throughout the decades and are telling of society itself. Uh, <laughs> I could have taken could shop. I, I, I could have taken could shop. I, can I drop this glass? We've been plodding through the 1920s, and when we arrived in the 1980s, I thought about tapping into the stuck-in-the-age knowledge base. Strangely enough, kids these days seem transfixed on the 80s, and I was curious. If given the access, what questions would a bunch of modern high school kids have for professional pop culture journalists who live and breathe the 80s? An audience with the masters, so to speak. Like nice that. kiss up. It worked. <laughs> Here's your podcast. You know what? We're simple men with simple pleasures. You know, if you kiss our, you know, took us. You love that. I'm word. trying to. The kids are listening. I know. We're not going to work blue. Yeah. Uh, I think this could be a kick ass experience. So the teacher said it. He swore. Um, for my kids in a pretty interesting and unique podcast, what do snot-nosed punks like mine think of the 80s? What are their preconceptions, and are they right? Remember, some of them are only one year younger than Sean's girlfriend, so the timing is quite apropos. Nice. That's, so that's my sales pitch. What say you, Stephen Q. Spears? South Carroll High School, I give you a podcast. So here's the deal. Uh, Mr. Kemper, as we'll call him, has 32 kids. I want to call him Mr. K. Can we? The K-Man. The K-Man. Mr. K, yeah. Mr. K's got 32 kids in the class, not counting the three that are up front who are always falling asleep, hmm. I hear. And uh, their mascot is the Cavalier, which I find Perfect. odd, very odd, that they yeah. would name their uh, mascot after uh, a really bad Chevrolet. <laughs> there you go. They're crazy like that up in, uh, in Maryland. So uh, here's the deal. We've get, we have a bunch of questions. We're going to try to run through as many of them as we can. Let's commence. First question is from uh, David T. I guess we're going to use uh, initials for last okay. names to protect the innocent. Okay. How addictive was Pac-Man in its heyday? Extremely addictive. Are you kidding me? When Pac-Man came out, it was kind of like, I don't, I don't play a lot of video games today. Like, what's the new hot thing? Like uh, Black Ops. Black Ops. Yeah, your buddy Andy plays all or, those uh, things. Or was it with uh, Grand Theft Auto one? Yeah. That, 
Uh, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I don't remember the new days. How about the Doom? They still play the Mist. No. <laughs> Pac-Man was, I used to go to Brothers Pizza in Chelmsford, Mass, and play Pac-Man for hours. And then I told this story before, but one of the greatest nights I ever had with my father, the, the late, great John Daly, is we went to the Hong Kong Chinese restaurant, just the two of us. Mom was off doing something. And we had a delicious uh, Chinese food meal. And then we went to Caldor, <laughs> Caldor uh, department store, and we bought Pac-Man on Atari. Okay? Now, if you remember what Pac-Man on Atari was like, it was glitchy and blinky. I'm pretty sure it caused like epileptic seizures in like 50% of the people who played it. Yeah. And like inky and blinky, you could hardly see them. And I was in heaven. Pac-Man, this brilliant game, which my kids today... Uh, Kid Lulu and Mai Mai, ages seven and three, love Pac-Man when, when, when they play the retro games in the arcades. Yeah, yeah. You know? But what about you? Were you ever a yeah, Pac-Man I mean, junkie? You didn't have a choice. I mean, if you didn't play Pac-Man, it was like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a, just a straight out, are you not American? Right. And it was everywhere. You'd go to the roller skating rink, Pac-Man. You'd go to, the, to 7-Eleven, Pac-Man. You'd go to Pizza Hut, Pac-Man. You could not escape it. Yeah. So, so prevalent was it that, was it... Buckner and Garcia. Oh, Pac-Man Fever. Play a little bit of Pac-Man Fever for the kids, Steve. Today, Pac-Man Fever, Spizzy, have their own driving me crazy. Have their own theme song? None, right? None, I say. They steal songs. Yeah, yeah. Pac-Man gave. <laughs> I still love it today. And Miss Pac-Man is almost, was almost more popular. Yeah, than Pac-Man. Right. If you didn't play Pac-Man, really, seriously, if you were gay in high school, you would be uh, less persecuted than the people who didn't play Pac-Man. Exactly. It goes: people who didn't play Pac-Man. Than gay, you know, not not that there's anything wrong with that. We celebrate that, but seriously, like that's how that's how bad yeah, it would have been. Right. More so than Asteroids, more so than any other game. Oh, I loved Asteroids. Yeah, but Pac Man <gasps> was the one. Asteroids was terrible. It was just like ee, 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 like lines and yeah, like yeah. not. Oh, but it was so good. So good. Oh, Pac Man. So yeah. I, I can't. Great question, David T. I wonder if David T plays Pac Man. I wonder if he plays The Mist. <laughs> how about those Sims? I like to play some Galaga. <laughs> that Sims looks just like me. <laughs> Let's go to the grocery store with my sim. <laughs> Read the next question. This is from Braden B. In comparison to the 1980s pop culture, what do you think will endure from this era? The uh-huh. 21st century, century, century. They really aren't. Do you love stylish, sexy jeans? Do you love soft, comfy pajama bottoms? Now get the best of both worlds with Pajama Jeans, the hot new fashion sensation that fits every figure perfectly. Pajama Jeez, you know, the thing about the 21st century, it's maybe because I'm old and crusty, is that um, things are built ephemerally. Like, Steve and I are pop culture journalists, so... God, reality shows, they're not going to have Reality show. shows. But, I they're, I, but they're not going to last. They're built not to last. They're they've built, been, but they've been around for 20 years already. 
No, I don't think they're... But they're not going to endure. Like, the reality show is of its time. Like, 20 years from now, are we going to be watching reruns of The Real World? No. No. Or Survivor or any of that crap? Well, see, Survivor started, I think, in 2000. And look at Pop today. The Pop marketplace is... I mean, again, you're, you're built for five or six songs, and then you're gone. Like, maybe a Rihanna, maybe a, a Gaga last. But, again, most of these people, like Soldier Boy, pfft, you know. They, people don't even do albums anymore. Now I sound like a really old, crusty man. But what's Shalindor? Let's try to be positive. What's Shalindor, Steve? Uh, iTunes, I think, yes. is here to stay. The digital domain of uh, Digital of music, music isn't yeah. going anywhere. It's here to stay, and that's definitely a byproduct of the last 20 years. Um Sean disagrees with me. I, I say reality programming because it's cheap for uh, networks to produce. It won't. It doesn't have any shelf life, but will there will be reality shows from here until the day we all die? All right. Next question is from Morgan J. What eighty stereotype do you believe is the least accurate? Good question, Morgan J. I think it's the whole gag me with a spoon, Valley Girl. Valley culture. Girl talk, yeah. Valley Girl talk. If in the eighties, that was an, an extreme subset. Like you could even mock the eighties with the Valley Girl talk. Yeah. But nobody talked like that in my school in Camp Hill High School. You know, nobody did that. Like it was the you know gag me with the spoon. Now, like is a joke. Yeah, like Here's totally the deal. and yeah. stuff. I mean, that was because uh, we talked normal. Like in my school, we quoted Fletch. We didn't quote oh, like, Valley Girl, right? Yeah. You know, we like, gotta get all puffed out to the max and all for sure. Oh God, gag me! How could you? Sure, <laughs> I'd be freaking. Oh, out. Look, I'd be scarfing up everything in sight. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't know. You know, like oh, I get so fat and all and. What happened to my zits and get so grody? And who decides? It's totally gnarly birth control. Val- Valley Talk um, was popular, obviously, in Southern California. But for some reason, it's become this myth that everybody in the, U- in the U.S. talk like that. And there's a couple phrases like awesome, you know, totally, for sure. But we, do, but we didn't say it with the crazy... You know, oh, getting you know, crazy accent. Yeah. We, we, words here and there. It's the, it's the manner of speech... That's that. That's such false right. falsehood. And the stereotype that you were really um, sexy and a chick magnet. I had a mustache. No, you had a mustache in college. I had one in high school too, my friend. Infuriates me. I still can't grow a mustache. Junior and senior year. Really? And it was thick and full. Jesus, you're like Magnum PI. It was. It was a ma- very Magnum PI esque. Did you ever wear like the, I, the white shorty shorts? No. I wore those. But I had like Magnum esque legs. They're real hairy. No, you. Uh, They're real hairy. I'm furious. About I never would wear a Detroit uh, Tigers ball cap. <gasps> that goes without saying. But uh, no, no. I mean, I think the '80s weren't as the '80s are an, an easy uh, decade to exaggerate now, like in Wedding Singer and stuff like that. But I think if you went back there, it uh, the, the 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 prevalent. Um, you know, lexicon was not like Valley Girl and all that no, stupid stuff. We talk you know? normal. Okay, next question is from Carly B, and she asks, um, what were some of the fashion trends in the 80s? Hmm. Well, you had the leg warmers, but again, that was exaggerated. <laughs> leg warmers? The Michael Jackson look. Rob yep. Raines, who got a nice reference in... Uh, some people rock the, le- the, the, the chest king jackets, the leather, leather with a lot jackets. of zippers. Members only jackets were big. Ooh, I had o- one. Yeah, I bet um, you did, rascal. Pink. The color pink. I, had I, w- a- I wore a pink button down. 
Um, pink button down sweaters. Uh, yeah. Op shorts like the corduroy shirt shorts. Yeah. Acid wash jeans. Skinny ties. Skinny ties. You still wear one. Yeah. Today a skinny tie. I have several of them. Um, yeah. What else? Um, um, high hair. Yeah, I had really, really high hair with uh, Aquanet. Yeah, tees. You know, I, in truth, truth be told, I still love big hair. If I see someone in big hair, I'm just like, oh, really? Yeah, even like a dude. <laughs> Like my hair, my hair gets really big. It does. Like, That's why I get uncomfortable. That's why I can't get really cut. <laughs> uh, Jordash designer jeans, like Jordash. Yeah. Um, really tight jeans. Uh, acid wash jeans towards the late part of the eighties. Yeah, the acid wash. That was a bad. I like that. That's that acid wash. Acid wash jeans. But you know, I've I've kind of dressed the same way my whole life, which is like a, an, I'm not saying I'm fashionable at all, but I've always been like button down jeans, preppy. Kind of, I've always been a bit of a prep. Preppy was big back then. In fact, that's what I went for. I didn't try to go for New Wave. Uh, I definitely didn't go for New Wave. I wore um, Izod shirts. I wore. Um, I wore. I rocked the Izods. I wore yeah. uh, British night shoes. Top siders. Top siders. You know, I've been wearing Stan Smith uh, uh, shoes. Stan Smith's um, standies for my whole life. But the only time I've ever cheated on the Stan Smith sneaker. The classic fairway green and white was with British Knights. Do you remember those BKs? Yeah, sure. They were like a yeah. So, uh, but remember back then, ruse were the big shoe. Had a ruse. They had a little pocket in it, like a kangaroo would have. No, they didn't have those in Pennsylvania. No, I think that was a Florida thing. <sighs> you gotta be kidding me. Ruse. ruse. I'm gonna look those up. R O O S. Ruse. And what came? Did you put something in the pocket? You put like a house key. You really couldn't put <laughs> or like a dollar bill. Oh, that's it, great. There wasn't a whole lot of space in there. Yeah. Not very roomy. Yes, our next question is again another one from Braden B. And Braden B asks, did the future pan out the way you assumed it would when you were in the 80s? Now, I can honestly say, since I was a wee Sean Daly, that I always wanted to be a writer, and I wanted to write about pop culture stuff. And look what happened. I'm a writer who writes about pop culture stuff. Like, I have the best life ever. So I'm going to say, yes, everything I wanted in the 80s. I'm that 1% of people whose dreams came true, Braden B., and look, maybe across from me is another one. Stephen Q. Spears. <laughs> Did life pan out the way you assumed it would? No. Oh, really? In fact, I remember this one time. My fellow classmates from the class of 1985, I stand before you today to say, look to the future. Embrace our success. Years from now... When I'm a successful commercial airline pilot and Oscar-winning documentary director, I will not hold on to my past. I will not be one of those extinct wretches who stands on a tree stump and preaches about how great the 80s were. No, my eyes will be firmly attached to the 21st century and my flying car and my wife, Kristen McNichol. So in conclusion, I will miss you and I forgive you. Ooh, your mustache sucks. All right, moving on. I think that'd be best. We move on. We've obviously touched, <laughs> touched in there. <laughs> um, Nick A. asks, how excited were you when Super Mario Brothers 3 came out? Super Mario Brothers 3 came out? I have no idea what he's talking about. Moving on. We have lots of music questions, Spears. I'm going to group a whole bunch of them together. Are you ready? Fine. These come from Heather R., Jake O., Sam P., and David T. What was up with the feminist, feministic look of men in the 80s music scene? What was the effect of punk rock on the pop culture of the 80s? 
How did music from the 70s evolve into music for, uh, in the 80s? And finally, are you as disappointed in MTV as everyone is now? I'm going to go first. <laughs> um, a couple of those. Uh, punk rock and 70s. I think you, what you saw was uh, in the 70s, the rock scene, pretty aggressive. Um, there was punk in there. And what happens? that kind of moved into the 80s. But 80s took punk and, uh, in a lot of terms, made it a little more poppy. So you had uh, some of the punks, the whole post-punk movement. Spearsy likes all that stuff. Yeah. Like a... a what would you say, like a, a new order? You had the clash. Well, what what happened was punk rock mixed with disco and gave us basically new wave. Right. And bands like Spando Ballet. Why'd you have to do that in front of the kids? They need to know. They no, to- kids, don't listen to Spandau Ballet. If you learn anything from this podcast, the song True sucks. You can't say that. Yeah, I can. Their teacher said ass. <laughs> Kemper! Um, and, yeah, and so the feministic look of men, that whole post-punk movement, there Duran was a Duran. lot of... Duran Duran what is- you had is a lot of chick uh, uh, dudes that look like ladies, okay? But it came from different aspects, so... Duran Duran, um, that They're whole like, British Bowie. New Romantic. Bowie, yeah, Bowie was like androgynous. Bowie was androgynous, and then it went, it went from a, a guy who was looking androgynous who then looked like a girl. But so you had the um, Boy George. Yeah, that's the big one, obviously. Boy George and Culture Club. You know, I, I was a little confused <laughs> at the beginning, like, hello, young Philly, you know? I still. Yes, I do want to hurt you. Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Zip, you know. So uh, anyway, <laughs> but then you also had um, dudes who look like ladies in the hair metal movement, and you had Poison, and you had um, uh, Warrant. You know, with this Motley teased Crue. Out, Motley Crue with this teased out Aquanet hair. You had the guy liner, the rouge on the cheeks. I mean, I basically wanted to have sex with three quarters of Poison before I realized, you know, they were dudes too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to, to to ask us how it came about, I, I don't know. It just it was just. However, a byproduct of the time. Yeah, and leading into the final question from David T, MTV thrived in the beginning because um, these bands we're talking about, the 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 lady looking dudes, were 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 beautiful to look at. So MTV was uh, strictly almost strictly videos was a visual medium. These are people that are very striking to look at, you know. And so MTV took off. Um, and of course, then you had lots of other genres playing. You had Michael Jackson eventually came in, and you had all the you know the Go Go's and all these like sexy you know I want candy, bow wow wow these sexy young bands, uh, sexy young women. And then am I disappointed by MTV now? MTV is a totally different thing. Like the MTV I grew up with is dead. It's is been gone. dead. It's been dead for. It's been dead for a long time. Twenty years. Yeah, and you talk now. We link it back to reality te- television, which we were talking about before. MTV realized they could save um, a lot of money by simply making these shows like The Real World, which cost nothing to produce. There's no script really. There's these are not these are amateur actors. You're not paying big salaries. You know. So MTV kind of went. Um, you know, wanted to save some money, and so now it's all that crap. Teenage Mom. You know, oh. Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore costs nothing to produce. Yeah. You know? So, um, it's a lot of questions there. But uh, the, the 80s music scene was fun. It was like, the 80s was really this kind of, um, 
you saw a lot of things that had been building up for decades uh, all of a sudden get this really cool like melting pot of music. And then what happens, we hate the 90s. The 90s was a response to like the kind of good time feeling of the 80s for a lot of this music. So then grunge showed up because grunge said, oh, you know, uh, hair metal is for... I can't say that, <laughs> you know, is for wimps. And so grunge had to kind of kill the party. You know, it was like the 80s were the party and then the 90s were like the hangover in the morning after. Yeah. You know? and, then, and then and then the boy bands and the Britney Spears is that was sort of like the, uh, the then, dry heaves. Yeah. Really. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's a lot of questions answered. Yeah. Hey, I, here's a question for you, Steve. This is from Victoria N. And I'm curious about your theory on this. Why are the Brat Pack movies still so popular? Ah, uh, yeah, the Brat Pack movies. Um, ironic, because Brat Pack movies are usually associated with John Hughes, although the term itself is from Cinema's Fire, right. which is not a John uh, Hughes film, even though it stars basically every John Hughes star. Here's the thing. T today's kids, you, the ones sitting right there in the classroom, um, your parents basically grew up... Um, during our time, they are children of the '80s. So, I mean, me and Sean, you know, our our friends here at work, they all have uh, children your age. And when we sit down to watch movies, we want to watch the movies that uh, we grew up with. And so, we've basically have subjected you uh, unwillingly to um, to watch our generation of movies. So, I think that's why they're still popular. Is that you have discovered John Hughes because you had to sit there with us on the couch and watch it? You know, Ferris Bueller. And Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink and stuff like that. Uh, probably not Fast Times at Ridgemont High, not yet anyway. Yeah. But um, that is one of the main reasons. And um, John Hughes, the director who died a few years ago, who's responsible for so many of the great movies that we love about the 80s, he intentionally wrote his movies to be timeless. He used language. Um, that was not grounded in a particular decade. When he made up lines like you're a neo zoom dweeby, those were words that nobody had ever spoken before. They're, they're, they have no connection to the 80s or the 70s or the 60s. It's not like um, Happy Days when you call someone a square or tell someone to sit on it. If you look at the fashion too from like a 16 Candles or um, a Breakfast Club, it's not all these things we were talking about like the... Um the exaggerated stereotypical uh, wardrobe of the 80s. You don't see that. No, Hughes intentionally uh, downplayed the stereotypes. I mean, you, you, the, it's realistic. If anything, they could have been like from the, the 60s or 70s. Yeah. You, know, you look at the way like Ferris is dressed in... Um, no, nobody dresses like that in the 60s or 70s. That, that, yeah, I mean, the way Ferris Bueller with the, the, the vest when he's singing the song, and that could have been like uh, Rally Without a Cause. I, I did that. You didn't wear that. I wore sweater vests. I still would if I wasn't built like a tree trunk. But um, no, I think that's the reason. I, a, they're very good movies. And they're the first movies that ever spoke to teens as if they were real people. That's true. And as a result of that, I think they will always have a place in history. Yeah. And they were very, very funny. I mean, the thing is, it's like, you know, later years you kind of dealt with this realism, but John Hughes still kind of sprinkled in the magic with his movies. Right. You know, it was funny. There was like sur surrealist humor in there. But at the same time, he got to a pretty true message as well. Right. So that's the beauty of a John Hughes movie. Still timeless today. Yeah. Uh, very well said, Steve. Very well said. I feel a little low a little in it. Yeah, I'm feeling a little verklempt. I, let's, let's ramp up the energy. Yeah, here's another classic question from Nick A. 
Nick A has given us such previous questions as the Super Mario Brothers one. Here's another one. Nick A asks, how do you feel about changes in NFL rules and rulings post-1980s? The NFL rules have changed since the 1980s? Okay, moving on. Um, here we go. Was there a strong division among social groups in the 1980s? That's what Jake O. wants to know. Was there a strong division among social groups in the 1980s? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the, the, the stereotypical, uh, I mean, the whole Breakfast Club thing about the jocks, the geeks, the brains, the princesses. The basket cases. That's extreme in John Hughes. Obviously, it's for you know for story for film. Um, what were the what were the breakdown in the the social groups of your high school? No, I think it was the same one. It was a you know I went to Camp Hill High where everyone was pretty rich. You know we all looked the same. We really really did. We all had it was a very affluent neighborhood um, just outside Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I mean, it was very much a John Hughes town. You saw white people in Camp Hill. Not that I'm proud of that. In fact, I like that my daughters now go to school where they see all sorts of, you know, all walks of life, all sorts of people. But we all kind of looked alike. So, yeah, it was kind of pretty, you know, the pretty people. It was very, like, based on looks. You had the really, really good-looking people hang out, hung out. Then you had that middle bracket, and then you had the uggos. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I think it was that way. But, yeah, a little bit with, like, the football players because they would hang out. They were on the team, you know, together. Yeah, so the football yeah. players and maybe the smarter ones. But we all kind of got along pretty well. There weren't any fights in my high school that I remember. Like, I don't remember any fights breaking Nah, out. and you got to remember my high school was only 500 people in the whole place, but it was grades 8 through 12 or it might even be like 7 through 12 wow. like it was re- I only had 80 people in my graduating class how many did you have like 5, 500 yeah I only yeah. had 80 people so no I think that because of the John Hughes movies although they were pretty realistic I think kids watch them thinking jeez man that was kind of really it's really exaggerated I will, exaggerated I will say that I remember one time because I mean I crossed over a lot of groups because I played football and then I was also in the computer club yeah and I also ate lunch in the library. So, I mean, I, I literally like, you know, so, certainly not one of the beautiful ones except for the mustache. <laughs> but, but, but I remember one time being in uh, the mall, Countryside Mall, still exists today. And I was walking around. I'm wearing my uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood shirt, you know, Frankie Say Relax. Oh, God. Yeah. And one of the football players comes up and starts, you know, making some guff with me over it and uh, making some noise like he wants to do something about it. I'm like, dude. We played football together two years ago. And he looks at me. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And he just kind of walked off. Really? Yeah. What a tool. That guy's like working at Jiffy Lube somewhere. <laughs> Screw him. Really? Yeah. It's called karma, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say that, you know, and today, today the kids kind of give off this all together now vibe, but there's, it's not. No, it's, it's just natural. You know what's, on. you know what, and in, I hate to ruin this for kids, but. It's going to be like that the rest of your life. I mean, for the most part, when you go on to college and when you go on to jobs in the future, there's going to be clicks there and social circles there. Um, what are you talking about? I got the world on a string. Yeah, because you're in that social group. I am not. not me. I'm friends with everybody. Not me. I take you under my wing. I know, but I'm, but I'm still my, not a part of your group. How about my gossamer wings? <laughs> Let's fly. It's, just, it's going to be like that. Just get used to it. That's what high school's for, to teach you that, you know. Sometimes we stay in groups. Uh, Matt M. wants to know, what one thing did you do more than others with your entertainment time and money? Ooh. I went to the movies a ton. Yeah. 
I went to the movies. A Back ton. then, a movie ticket was. Uh, Back two, then, when I used to be a kid, two fifty would get you into a movie. Yeah. So that was, um, you know, to be honest, I used to steal quarters off my dad's desk to to play at the arcade. Yeah, I Aladdin's went, I went Castle. There a lot. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That was probably. Um, we used to buy a lot of um, back then. Home entertainment video systems were real popular, as they are today, but they were born yeah. in the eighties. And right. so I would save up and um, buy cartridges for my Atari twenty six hundred. And um, if I wasn't doing that, then I was buying smokes at the roller skating rink. Really? Yeah. You smoked? I pretended to smoke. Oh, really? There's a difference. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time with uh, my dad's hustlers. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't buy them? Oh, oh yeah, no, I did. Um, yeah, I did all the same things. I was in sports a lot. I was so I was always stuck doing that. But yeah, a lot of movies, a lot of video games, um, cruising around. Oh, we did a lot of cruising in Camp Hill. Everybody, this is what we do, and maybe the kids still do this today. Um, and we'd like to hear some response from the kids in Sykesville. You know, maybe they'll be get hooked on all our shows. <laughs> no, um, we used to get into the car. Put on like Led Zeppelin or Steve Miller Band or something like that, and we would drive for three hours, and then we'd go to like a pizza place every hour to see if someone was there, and then we'd get in the car and we'd drive some more, then maybe go to somebody's house for a couple minutes and get in and drive some more, and then we'd see a group of like hot girls that we wanted to talk to, but instead we'd just tailgate them and like hit our beams, you know, and then they'd pull over and we'd be like, <laughs> too scared, and we'd drive <laughs> off. That's basically what I did with all my time, but you know what? I loved it. I had the time of my life. Now I had the time of my life. No, I never felt like this before. Yes, I swear it's a truth. And I owe it all to you. Steve, Sam P. has our final question of the show. Give it to us, Sam. What is the most defining piece of popular culture from the 1980s. If you had to make it a single thing, it's a Rubik's Cube. I think you're right. I think you're right. And hopefully they know what that is. Oh, they do. The Rubik's Cube is still around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for some reason, that thing was there at like, the birth of the 80s, and it was still there at the end. Yeah. I still have them today. I have one on my desk at work. I have one at home. Um, I still have never solved it. Yeah, I never have either. And I think there's kind of a metaphor there, you know. <gasps> Interesting. You know what? The day you so- solve it, you'll die. That's my fun <laughs> little prediction. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's, it's the idea. The last you words. Fantastic. The kids have no idea. You're dark. You're really yeah, dark. Yeah, I know, the I'm kids, dark. the kid, the bell rang like thirty minutes ago. <laughs> Long gone. Our voice is just playing in an empty room. They left it. Nobody turned off even the player. Kemper, even Kemper's out <laughs> eating lunch. Kemper's swinging from a noose. Kemper's like, worst <laughs> idea ever. <laughs> no, it's a Rubik's Cube. And the whole point is is that life is a puzzle, and you never solve it, kids. You never solve it. But, but you po- keep trying. But you keep trying. That's wow, the whole point. That's so and beautiful. that is the point, my friends, of Stuck in the 80s. Keep going. That we keep trying to solve this decade. We try to solve our fascination with it, but same point we don't want to solve it we want to enjoy it we want to embrace it it's the journey <laughs> it's the journey it's the, speaking <laughs> of journey it's time for us to to close up shop here hey kids we hope you learned something today uh as for the rest of our uh 
500,000 listeners across the uh, world. Um, Let's go Cavaliers! Woo! <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this. Let's skit. go Cavs! In the meantime, Sean Daly and myself and the kids from South Carroll High School remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes. Aloha, Mr. Han. Aloha, Spicoli. <laughs>